Welcome, everybody, to the Farm and Garden Show. I am your host, Elizabeth Archer. We are doing a special show today. For those of you who listened to my last show two weeks ago, um, we did a, a segment honoring Stephen Decatur of Live Power Community Farm, who passed away last month. But through a glitch of technology, that show did not get recorded. And um, it felt like a really important thing to have recorded. And also, there's been a lot of outpouring of support for Stephen and his wife, Gloria, and their sons and their farm. And um, if you knew Stephen, you know what a powerhouse he was in the Mendocino County and broader farming community. Um, so today, we are going to spend the whole show honoring Stephen Decatur's life. I have his wife, Gloria, on the phone, and she'll be joining us in just a minute. If you did listen two weeks ago, some of this might sound familiar. I'm going to cover the um, what the information that I shared two weeks ago. So thanks for joining us. And we are going to take calls all throughout the show. So as soon as I welcome Gloria, I will open up the, uh, the lines. So Stephen and Gloria started Live Power Community Farm in Covalo back in 1977, and they have owned and operated it ever since. It's a 50-acre diversified biodynamic farm run totally by solar power and literal horsepower. They have six draft horses that provide all the field power they need for plowing, spreading compost, harrowing, planting, cultivating, mowing, raking, etc. They grow several acres of vegetables, which mostly go toward their very popular CSA program, Community Supported Agriculture, if you're not uh, familiar with that. And they also have some fruit trees, and many acres are planted in hay, alfalfa, and other small grains to feed their animals. In addition to horses, they have other animals, um, I believe pigs, cows, chickens, and uh, goats. So the ethos of Live Power Farm is to be a self-contained unit. So they produce everything they need to care for the animals themselves and the land. They grow cover crops and make their own compost. Um, it is a really special place. And I had the opportunity to visit Live Power back in 2018 to write an article for our local wonderful word of mouth magazine. Um, I got to bring my daughter May with me. She's about to turn five at the time she was 18 months old. She, you know, tottered around the farm. It was the very early days of blackberries. So she got to pick some of the very first blackberries. She fell in love with the horses that were so much bigger than her, but she's fearless. Um, but the first time I ever crossed paths with the Decaters was my very first summer in Mendocino County at the Covalo Blackberry Festival in 2012. Um, I didn't realize I had met them, and maybe I didn't officially, but I have a photo of Gloria sitting right in front of me. And knowing me, I'm chatty, so I probably struck up a conversation. Um the Decaters have always been vocal proponents of sustainable, community-based small farms. Gloria and Stephen's superhuman hard work over the years and their unflinching devotion to their values and goals has made them legends in the farming community. And I don't say that lightly. They are literal legends. Um, and that legacy will live on in perpetuity thanks to the conservation easement they set up. So that ensures their land will remain a food-producing farm. Um, they set it up so that any appraisal process to value the property has to be based on the income stream that can be produced from organic agriculture on the land. So anytime it's sold, it has to remain a farm 
and the income stream determines the price per acre. So here's a quote from Stephen from that 2018 article that I wrote. It should be recognized that food-bearing land is in many ways a public resource, and the people cultivating it should be able to make a living doing it. Hear, hear. Stephen will be missed by many, but his spirit and legacy will live on. He passed at home uh, last month, and um, we... We lost a good one. So as I said, I have Gloria Decatur of Live Power Community Farm on the line with me, and I'm going to welcome you to the show now. Hi, Gloria. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having us on and for honoring Stephen. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for joining me. And first and foremost, I want to say how terribly sorry I am about your loss and your family's loss and the community's loss. Um, And it's a real honor to have you on the show today. And it's nice to see you again. Same here, Elizabeth. So so let's open up the lines. Gloria and I are just going to chat throughout the hour, and we'll take calls as they come in. If you have a memory or favorite story of Stephen or Live Power Community Farm, um, please call us, 707-895-2448. Again, that's 707-895-2448. Give us a call. We'd love to hear your favorite Stephen memories. So Gloria, I'd love to start. Oops, we immediately have a phone call. Let's take it. Hi, you're live on the air. Gloria, I'd love to start. Oops, we immediately have a phone call. Can you mute your radio? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, you're live on the air. Hi, this is Keith Mitchellack, one of the Decatur's previous apprentices. Hi, Keith. How's it going, Gloria? Okay, we're keeping it all together, trying to. Awesome. Well, I'm so honored to be the first caller. What's your Stephen memory you'd like to share today? Yeah, so I was uh, an apprentice there in, I think, 2016. And besides him teaching me all about farming and gardening and botany, honestly, Gloria got really sick that year. And Stephen just showed me kind of what it means to truly love someone um, and stood by her side. And that's just something I'll always remember, um, just his love and passion to take care of his partner and not give up. And, you know, that showed through other things that he did as well. But I think that was just one of the ultimate challenges. And I got to bear witness to that, and that's always just been really special to me to think back, especially now that I have my own son and my own family and my own wife. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I just felt it's really easy for me to say that he taught me a ton about farming, and I would call him all the time the last four or five years, and he would field my phone calls, and I would ask him just the oddest questions ever, but... Really him just showing me to truly love someone and something was really, really special to me. And I just thought I'd like to share that. Wow, that is a really powerful way to start the show off. You're going to, you're eliciting some tears from, from your host. That's for sure. Thank you so much for your call. You're welcome. You all have a good one. Gloria, I'll talk to you soon. Gloria. Oh, Gloria, you're on mute. Hi, caller. You are live on the air. Hi, Gloria. I'm so sorry 
to hear about Stephen, and I'm so happy to hear that the farm will go on. I met you when you had um, pretty recently gotten the horses for the first time at your farm, and we were there to float some teeth, and I was standing next to the horse's mouth, or near his head, um, just talking to him and keeping him calm. He was a pretty calm horse anyway. And Stephen was standing somewhere around you or somewhere around. And your horse put his foot on my foot. I thought, oh my God, my foot's going to be crushed. Your horse stood there the entire time. His teeth were being floated and never put a lot of pressure on my foot, but he kept his foot on mine. And I always felt like in the years after when I got to know you a little better and spent very little time with you, but really so fond of both of you, you and Stephen and the horses. Um, I always felt like that was the kind of influence that you and Steve had on people, that you were just a firm, solid, steady pressure on all of us. And the pressure was to help us to stay on the ground. And I thank you. And the last time I believe that I saw you, we were contradancing, you and Stephen and me and a hundred other people in Willits. So I think of you rooted firmly, but dancing. And I thank you for it. Thank you so much for the call. Who is this? What's your name? My, uh, my name is Mindy Cairn. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. All right. Off to a strong start with people having memories going. That last memory went all the way back almost to the beginning. What year do you, did you get the horses? Do you remember? Our first horse was Dolly, and she was our finest, finest horse. It was a, um, a dapple gray uh, uh, Percheron. And Stephen trained her. She was one year old, and that was 1980. And um, she trained very easily. She was alongside her mother and her aunt. And she, um, there were so many things that she did. She was so gentle and so conscious. One time Stephen went down into a creek bed with her. And um, I don't know, he fell or something. And she was just very conscious of where he was. To make sure that he didn't get hurt hmm. and when she passed a number of years ago it was pretty hard for all of us and there's a there's a painting of her in um dr alfred kerr's office in willits that was done by a, a friend of ours she set the standards pretty high huh we set the standards very very high yeah did she have any babies 
No, we never did that, and we always regretted it, hmm. not taking that on. But dapple gray percherons, they're, they're literally, you know, spotted and speckled, and um, as they get older, they lose all their speckles, and then they become white. And um, so in the beginning, she was this beautiful dapple gray, just gorgeous, and then as she was older, she turned white. So that was your first horse in 1980. You got the land in 1977. When did you and Stephen first meet? Well, let me first say that um, before we got the horses, um, Stephen uh, worked with donkeys. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and he um, he just looked up. Hard. He, he didn't have any money whatsoever, and he just looked up. Um, pictures of harness and he got belts and leather strips and things like that and put a harness together for the donkeys. He had two of them and it's pretty amazing what you can do with donkeys, you know, considerably smaller than a draft horse but um, they um, they can pull considerable weight and but they're stubborn. <laughs> the rumors are true, huh? The rumors are true. And he used to, I mean, he didn't have a vehicle. And so he used to um, drive a donkey cart to town to pick up any supplies he needed. And one time he was in town and there was a manhole cover that was open and Jack wasn't going to go past it. And um, and also, they're very cautious about water. You know, they really pay attention where their feet go. And, you know, he had to, you know, he had to, you know, try this and try that. And finally, he turned around and went around another block. And then, you know, he was able to get back and make it home. But they were... Um, when he finally got... Um, draft horses he's like standing behind these horses he went up to Oregon I think with um, with some friends and um, they were standing there driving these horses and someone was showing him and you know he, he just couldn't believe the difference you know these big butts you know, <laughs> in front of him compared to the little donkeys <laughs> Did you keep the donkeys on farm after you got the horses? Um, I can't. I think we did. I can't remember when they um, when their lifespan was over. Mm. Yeah, but I think we did. But um, I can't remember right now. Well, my original question was: When did you and Stephen meet, and how? Well, Stephen came here in 1972 or 73 um, following Alan Chadwick. Alan Chadwick actually wrote him a letter and told him about the beautiful snow-capped mountains and what an incredibly beautiful place. And would Stephen come and join him here at the Garden Project in Covalo? And so Stephen did that, and as he drove over the hill, coming down into the valley, he had this very strong feeling that, you know, 
he would be here the rest of his life, Hmm. which literally happened. And then I came to um, apprentice with Alan Chadwick in 1977. And so we met at the Garden Project here in Kovalo. You met in 1977 and you got the Live Power Community Farm land in 1977? No, Stephen was living here and um, and um, Richard Wilson, who brought Alan Chadwick to Kovalo, he, um, he was, he owned this place. And so we were caretakers here Got for it. 20 before we um, purchased the property with the easement. I see. Now, when you met, was it love at first sight? We were, um, Stephen plays guitar, and he was a part of a music group of guitar, banjo, um, fiddle, and um, I... I had met him previous to this dance, I believe, but there was a dance in town and he took a break break from playing music and he was on the floor and I I asked him to dance and he said no. (laughs) (laughs) I have heard that some musicians play music because they they don't want to dance. Stephen was a really good dancer. He was a really good dancer. Why didn't he want to dance that day? Oh, he was in the midst of... um, He had a long-distance relationship that was ending. And so... Oh! You know, and true to his um, being, he was trying to be real clear about his boundaries. Hmm. But then we figured that all out. So you have three sons yeah, who all still live pretty close, right? One in Covalo and two in Willits. What was it like raising babies and farming full-time? It was not easy. Yeah. Yeah, it was not easy. Um, They, you know, we were always busy and... um, but they, early on, um, you know, got to work. I mean, when they, they all started, they all started walking when they were nine months old. And fortunately, they started walking and they headed right to the barn. <laughs> That's and where all they, the action was. That was all the action. And they didn't go to the road. And we're so grateful because we don't have a, a gate out there. And it was such a busy road. But... Their focus was to go to the barn, and early on, they just started doing thing and doing things, doing animal chores. But they were all very conscious that they didn't really want to learn how to milk because they didn't want to end up having to do it because they knew I would make them do it. Well, that's the early job, right? You gotta get up really early to milk. Yeah, and kids are really busy, but they all, you know, they learn so many things on the farm and such um, they're grateful to this day that they learned how to work and enjoy it. And they all did um, had crops of their own that they 
pumpkins and winter squash and they carried those through doing the the irrigation the plumbing the weeding the whatever needed to be done for for bringing that crop to harvest they took care of and learned a lot that's so cool and how nice that they're all still so close i understand that they were with you and steven at the time of his passing my sons all three of them um we're here 24 7 you know taking care of steven and myself and um dropped anything else that they were doing and um wanted to be with their dad and to honor their dad and to um do whatever they could and they did a lot of things they never did before (laughs) yeah i mean death definitely has a way of pushing us in ways we never expected right yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i'd like to take a quick moment excuse me to reintroduce us if you're just joining this is the farm and garden show i am your host elizabeth archer i'm joined today by gloria decatur of live power community farm in covalo we are honoring the passing of stephen decatur gloria's husband who died last month we are taking calls all throughout the hour if you have a favorite memory or story about stephen um, or gloria or live power community farm that you'd like to share please call in 707-895-2448. So, Gloria, I'm so interested in the process by which you got the easement established. Was that pretty tricky or relatively straightforward? Were there other models? Um, We... Both of us, um, we were caretakers on this land for 20 years. And um, we both had a passion for understanding the relationship one has to the land and um, did not feel that just straight um, private ownership was appropriate for a food producing land. And um, so Stephen did an incredible amount of research for a couple of years all throughout the country, you know, calling and writing various land trusts and um, and um, bouncing back ideas. And, and then we approached our membership in San Francisco at that time. And um, many of them got involved and we had various meetings and trying to decide did we want to be a full nonprofit and what was the advantage and disadvantage to that and um, we went back and forth and then we were able to um, find a lawyer who um, pro bono worked with us to create the easement that we eventually created. It was a lot of work. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. And you were raising kids and you were farming full time. So that was clearly um, a a project of real passion for you to take that on in the midst of everything else you were doing. Yeah, and particularly for Stephen, he was very, very clear that um, he wanted to do something different. And 
and we did and we ended up um a friend of ours put together a pamphlet describing the process that we went through and then we were able to um speak about it um uh, at various conferences and um it, we worked with equity trust in um i think they're in massachusetts now and um and they have helped other farms do something similar similar since that time mm-hmm. and you know it's, it has to be adjusted to each individual place according to what the needs of the farm and the farmers are got it hey we have a call hi caller you are live on the air Hey, um, this is Susan Lightfoot calling from way over in New Orleans, Louisiana. I wanted to come and chime in. Hey, Susan Lightfoot. Thanks for calling. <laughs> is Gloria on the line, too? Gloria's on the line, too. She's listening. Hi, Gloria. Oh, I just wanted to send you my love, and I was just thinking about um, the first time that I met y'all out at the farm in Covalo and... Um, how I connected with Stephen over the horses, because I'm a horsewoman, um, and grew up riding and far before I got involved in food work. And I just remember how much he lit up when he was talking about the horses. And um, it just was the first way that I really connected with him in a real human way. And um, I just remember it being this really beautiful day and seeing them out in the field um, and it's just one of those quintessential Mendocino County moments that's forever seared in my heart. So um, just wanted to share that. And also, you know, there was a time that I can't remember what it was. It was maybe a workshop that we had done with Noyo Food Forest or one of the local organizations there. And Stephen gave a, like, a real heartfelt overview about what community-supported agriculture really is and about community economics and the shared, um, not just shared risk, but shared humanity of the CSA model. And I've always defended that. And all the work that I've gone on to do in other places outside of Mendocino, and people use CSA very kind of flippantly to describe anything that's about local food in a box. Um, I've been able to kind of reflect back on what you and Stephen had shared with me about that and really defend the, the um, I guess, the heart of the CSA model. So I just really wanted to thank you and him for, for being such great teachers in my own career um, and in my, my growth as a human. So thank you, and thank you to him. May he forever rest in peace and power. Thank you, Susan. So good to hear from you. And that was so important to him to really try to bring forward the true original, you know, concepts of community-supported agriculture. You know, it's a farm supported by a community. You know, it's not, it's not selling produce. It's a community coming together to make sure this farm carries forward in a really positive, healing, um, uh, what's another word? <laughs> All of the Way. above. <laughs> Thank you so much for the call, Susan. We actually have another call. Hi. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Can you mute your radio? 
yes, yes. Uh, this is uh, John Canan from Covelo. Hi, John. And uh, <laughs> I worked with Stephen, uh, you know, when he first came to Covelo, the Garden Project, uh, Alan Chadwick. And uh, Stephen did have a, a, a kind of devotion that was uh, just uh, beyond most individuals when he came to town with his donkey. We weren't uh, sure whether he was a farmer or whether it was the second coming of Christ. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> I, he was the chosen one. I remember uh, when we were in the woodworking shop, and I wasn't actually uh, one of Alan Chadwick's official apprentices. I was teaching woodworking to uh, the apprentices there, and, and uh, well, I was kind of a staff member, but we were all apprentices of uh, the great master. He was uh, an incredible person, Alan Chadwick, and uh, Stephen uh, was incredibly devoted to his uh, technique of uh, biodynamic French-intensive horticulture. Uh, I remember we were all uh, there in the wood shop when Alan uh, was getting ready to leave for Virginia. Uh, to uh, he, he, you know, after five or six years in Covalo, he felt as though Covalo was a little too far off the beaten path, and uh, uh, he wasn't getting the kind of. Uh, uh, attention that he felt his uh, whole program and technique and teaching uh, required because he had originally been at the University of California at Santa Cruz. That's where he met Stephen. But we were all there in the shop, and Chadwick came in and uh, you know practically begged Stephen to uh, go with him to Virginia. But Stephen was in love with Gloria, and, uh, you know, there was nothing at that point. Stephen had uh, already uh, probably served a seven, eight-year apprenticeship with Chadwick, and he was ready to go out on his own, and, and which he did. Uh, but the, uh, the story that I remember the most about Stephen, and I shared this last week, and uh, I'm going to share it again, was... It was like three days before Thanksgiving, and Stephen had planted uh, three or four acres of wheat. And uh, the November rains had started. The heads of the wheat were getting heavy with moisture. They, some of the wheat was falling down. And, and Stephen had acquired this binder, a uh, horse-drawn binder up in Oregon, and he had drug it home. Uh, it looked like a pile of rust uh, when I first saw it. Uh, all of the wood on it was rotten. The paddle wheel that scooped up the wheat heads and then brought them into the sickle bar uh, to cut, and then they'd go uh, into the machine, and it would bind them up into a sheath and then kick it out. And then another wagon would come and pick up all these sheaves, these bundles of wheat, and take it into the threshing floor. But uh, all the kids 
were, uh, you know, running behind the horses, that Percheron gray uh, twilight-colored Percheron was just, uh, she was such a beautiful horse. And they were pulling the binder, and and uh, I was taking pictures. And and when the uh, the two three acre plot was all harvested, I remember Stephen pulling the reins up and woo Dolly, and and uh, uh, he sat up so proud with that little kind of uh, laugh and smile of his, and and said now. I can plant and harvest my wheat without burning any fossil fuel. And I thought, oh, my God, what a high ideal is that in this day and age to, you know, not just have it as a dream, but to actually manifest that dream to enormous strength and devotion and power. And I'll always remember Seaman for, for that and just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you and so much. to you, Ooh. Gloria. <laughs> John, thank you so much for calling back um, when you told that story two weeks ago. Sarah, who was my guest, and I were both really moved by it. And I was so sad in particular that that call didn't get recorded. So um, I really appreciate you calling back with that story. Oh, those were two nice calls. So that um, binder that um, John is talking about, there was a um, a, a German couple with us at that time, and um, Hans Jörg um, was a, a, a welder, and he actually drove to Oregon and picked up this pile of junk and um, brought it back. He had some pictures. And from those pictures, he put together this amazing piece of equipment. And he sanded it. You know, it was totally rusty. And he sanded it, and then he painted it all, you know, red and and white. And and then there was another German couple here at the time, um, Andreas, Annie and Andreas. And Andreas was a woodworker, and he fixed all the the wood pieces with, for the the wheel that turns around and um and and i i believe that that piece of horse equipment was one of the most um sophisticated pieces that were done before you know they sort of stopped making um horse equipment and went on to you know tractors and how long once it was restored how long did you use that piece of equipment um, well, it's still here, unfortunately. He- it's no, Gloria. It's still on your farm? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have all that stuff. She laughs at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the anti-keeper of things. I tend to get rid of things and then regret it, so. Right. Um. Now, you said this is the second time you've referenced using pictures to um, build a piece of equipment. This was pre-internet. Were you going to the library? Were you finding these in magazines or catalogs? I'm not really sure where they found that. I, um, the donkey um, harness, uh, I think, you know, Stephen looked in books 
and the um, the piece of equipment, I think he, uh, Hans Jorg, must have also, you know, gone to the library and looked in books. I think it's probably what happened. But it, it was an amazing transformation that um, that Hans Jorg did from, you know, this pile of rubbish to this absolutely gorgeous piece of equipment. It had two different sets of wheels. It was it is incredibly sophisticated, you know. Wow. There's only one, uh, I think there's only one brand new piece of equipment that, um, horse equipment that Stephen bought, bought is uh, uh, this beautiful um, mower from INJ Equipment back east. And, um, and he was so proud that he, it, it, it cuts really hay, so um, it, it cuts hay really well. And um, when we first got it, it came on a truck in the driveway, and it was all, you know, painted red and white and all that stuff. And he was like a kid in a candy shop. He was so excited. The smile was so broad across his face. And he went and got the horses, and you know, because they dropped it in the driveway. Then he went and got the horses and had the horses haul it out out to the barn and then he was so proud that he would be able to like he did i don't know um there was a couple of years a few years ago where he you know he he mowed 20 acres of hay with that piece of equipment and the horses and how long did that take i can't remember exactly but he was really proud how long it took i mean it wasn't all it, it wasn't that long no. He, he was proud at how quickly they were able to do it, you mean? Yeah, because, you know, what he had previously and still has is, you know, John Deere sickle bar mowers. It's the, the blade is shorter and is slower and, you know, and so it's more of a challenge with the horses to get the hay cut in a timely fashion, you know, before it rains or before it goes overboard or, you know, um, when it's too far gone. So you mentioned your first horse was the best horse, but you've had many since then. Have any of your horses been really surly or lazy? Lazy? Yeah. Did you ever have a horse that just didn't want to work? Wanted to be a horse of leisure? I don't know that. I remember Jackson. He was a pretty big horse, and he... um, well, actually, Quint, Quince, I think was his name. Um, he, I, Stephen wasn't here. I was driving the horses. I don't know why I was driving them by myself with him not here. But I had three horses and I went to the backfield and I was disking across the field. And... Um, at one point, Quint, I can't remember, Quince or something with a Q, Quinn, Quinn was his name, and he was in the middle, and he was really large, you know, you had to stand up on something to put the harness on him, and he, I got back from um, one pass, and he decided it was time to go to the barn. <laughs> he was done. He was done, and, you know, he just took off. 
and he, you know, they were all together, and he was so strong, and, you know, I was still learning, and um, he took us to the barn, you know, and we fortunately, we made it all the way back. What did Stephen have to say about that when he got home? Oh, I can't remember, but, you know. Would he have had a good sense of humor about it? Well, what I should have done was um, turn them in a circle. You know, I should have pulled pulled the reins and turned them so that they would have just gone around in a circle. And I was so flabbergasted, I didn't, I didn't figure that out. And um, but he was a little sad that he wasn't here. But mm. you know, he was happy that I was not hurt. So you say you, it sounds like you didn't drive the team that frequently. How did you and Stephen divide labor on the farm? And were there ever jobs that you both really wanted to do or neither one of you really wanted to do? Um, um, once I, um, once the uh, children were born, I I kept trying to figure out how I could still work outside, and I found that very challenging. So then I started moving inside because I would take Alexander out into the garden and try to work in the garden. And then I'd periodically get interrupted. Sure. And Three then, young kids will do that to you. Hey, Gloria, we have a call. Should we take it? Yes, please. Hi, caller. You are live on the air. Hi, great show. Um, you know, I don't know y'all or your farm because I'm a coastie here, but uh, your project, it's really a project after my own heart. Um, so nice to hear about it, and thank you to you and your husband, Pat, who's passed, uh, for doing it to bring it into fruition. Um, my fantasy for my little five acres of transitional pygmy out here was to um, kind of set up a kind of like a skills of life uh, school uh, for the kids who weren't, you know, on track to just count other people's money because we have so many talented, you know, people, woodworkers and whatnot, and maybe try and uh, guilt trip some of the elders to into tithing some teaching time to some of the youngers um, because it just seems, you know, I mean, we're the only animal that doesn't uh, pass on the skills of basic life to our children. And and then I think about the Granges. I've I've researched, I've read about the Granges, and I think it's uh, such an important potential uh, organization for a lot of reasons, and they're ruining them, uh, you know, both legally, politically, and community-wise, and when I think about it, I think what happened was they were so successful, as I've read their history, they were so successful working like you and your husband worked that they ended up with an abundance, and so they had a lot, and they sold a lot, and then they had money, and once they had an abundance of money, they started buying machinery, and once they got onto that track, it was the beginning of the end of the Granges. Anyway, thank you so much for your show. Um, I don't know what the, you know, evolved version is going to be, but I just hope that you get all the support you need for uh, 
you know, dealing with the passing of your husband and uh, working with however you're going to be doing your work going forward. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. Bye-bye. Thank you for the call. <clears throat> you know, that's interesting. Stephen was always committed to running a farm without fossil fuel. It yes. seems to me from like his earliest days of being interested in farming. Exactly. Do you know where that originated for him? What lit that spark? Um, well, before he met Alan Chadwick, I believe um, he, well, I know that he did a lot of bicycling and he was going to, he was going to, you know, go to school and uh, develop some kind of metal that was so light, you know, for a bike, you know, and then you could just bike everywhere. And um, and then um, when he met Alan Chadwick and, and came up here and even down there, I mean, Alan Chadwick just used a fork and... So um, just even going to the donkeys was a huge um, change from digging. And there was so much more he could do with, um, with tools and, and with the donkeys, you know, compared to digging for it. But, you know, he started out with Alan Chadwick, who was, I mean, an in- incredible mentor. And... Um, I believe that I can't remember what he called um, his his um, oh there was some term that he used for vehicles that was you know rather derogatory Alan, Alan Chadwick uh-huh. so some of it was Stevens and some of it was Allen's I believe um, but he was pretty obviously idealistic about what was going on in the world and changes that needed to be made. Well, change has to start with a, with us, right? We each have to be responsible for the change we want to see in the world. Exactly. Um, I want to take a quick minute. Again, we have about 13 minutes left in the show. If you are just tuning in, this is the Farm and Garden Show. I am your host, Elizabeth Archer. I have Gloria Decatur of Live Power Community Farm on with me today. And we are honoring the life of Stephen Decatur, her husband who passed last month and who spent five decades with Gloria building and operating Live Power Community Farm in Covalo. Um, the lines are open, 707-895-2448. Please call in with a memory of Stephen and we have a call. Hi, caller. You are live on the air. Hi, this is Ruthie and Dylan calling from Calpella and just started tuning in a second ago. Hi, Ruthie Um, and Dylan. And is Gloria there? Gloria's here. She's listening. Hi, Gloria. Hi. Um, Well, we just were sad to have missed most of the show, and we're looking forward to going back and hearing the rest of it from the beginning. But... um, I'm just reflecting on all the years of farm school students coming out to the coming out to the farm and how impactful it's been over the years to see so many examples of farms in Mendocino County, but then to come to live power and their worlds would be often totally turned on end. Um, 
I have a great memory of watching Stephen drive in the team um, and uh, weeding a row of carrots or corn. Sorry, it was corn that was growing up. And corn, when it's a baby, is just like this tiny little blade of grass, and it's such a fragile little thing. And, you know, these giant, massive horses weeding with perfect precision and getting all of that beautiful soil turned up and um, cultivated around it. And I remember the students coming back and all of the years of students visiting Live Power, they've often reflected on their visits with Ethan and Gloria with, like, total awe, and I'm also in awe of everything that's been done out there. So I just want to thank, thank you both for putting the show on, and thank you, Gloria, for all of your many years of hosting students. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing from the beginning on the archives. So thank you. Thank you, Ruthie. So good to hear your voice. Yeah. I'm going to pass the phone to Dylan and see if he, if he has anything to add. He's driving, driving the truck right now. So there he is. Hey there. Hey, Gloria. Hi, Dylan. Oh. oh. Sorry, I'm choked up right now, but I, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm just so grateful for, for all the time I got to work with Stephen. That was <laughs> the favorite memory that still sticks with me is every time Stephen would read Wendell Berry's poem, Horses. And to this day, I still cry when I read it, but you're so powerful to think about, I don't know, just another great legend of this time and such a, I don't know, devout individual to a code of ethics and, oh, the phrase that always chokes me up is the, uh, I believe it's my tongue saying the commands of dead men, which always gets me because it's just such a dying art to, to team of horses and Stephen was a master of the craft and one, he's just another, now he'll be remembered forever, but He's just yet another person come and gone and blessed us with their presence. So I don't know. I don't have much more to say than that. My brain's not that cohesive right now, but I just appreciate y'all so much. Thank you, Dylan. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for the call. Yeah. Take care. You too. Bye. Do you know that poem, Horses by Wendell Berry? Was that one of Stephen's favorites? That and um, and Stephen would cry when he read it. And, um, and also um, Khalil, Gibran, Khalil Gibran, the prophet on, on work. And um, he would read these things to... Um, I think we had a ninth grade class here quite a few years ago and they were from the city and there was, I don't know, 30 of them or something like that. And 
they were having a hard time, you know, like settling down and they were very much into being um, ninth graders and hormones and things like that. And they couldn't really focus on what they were doing here. So Stephen was frustrated and he, we gathered them under the willow tree and he talked to him, to them, and then he read the poem the, um, from Khalil Gibran about work and um, they just you know because he was emotional he was crying and not just because but they got it and totally changed their attitudes and then they were present they were here I'll never forget it it was so beautiful I bet all those kids remember that too I think they they probably would. Yeah. Well, we have just about five minutes left, and I want to share that there is a celebration of life for Stephen happening on March 19th, 2022. Where is that taking place, Gloria? Here at the farm in uh, the community building that we're hoping to finish, that Stephen was really hoping to get finished. It's um, a very, very special building that was started um 16 years ago by Stephen and son Christopher. Christopher did a lot of the work. He was only 16 years old. And that was, in a sense, the beginning of his his life's work as a, you know, a carpenter and creator of beautiful buildings. And um, we finally, this spring, we were able to get back to it. And Stephen really wanted to see it completed. And it's there's, you know, it's pretty much closed in. Um, we have a lot of work to do on the inside. Um, I think Ruthie offered to come when we put the insulation. I want to have an insulation party. We're going to get wool insulation. So we'll have a party to try to do that. Wool insulation, that's cool. Yeah, my son Alexander encouraged that. Um, but it's a it's two rectangles put together, you know, it's, it's one big building, but it's all um, open beam, exposed open beam construction inside. And it's quite, quite spectacular when you walk inside. The ceilings are really high. Okay, so there's going to be an insulation party if anyone wants to help, or if you have other um, skills or talents that might be helpful in finishing off a building. Um, I'm going to encourage everyone to email any photos you have of Stephen or Live Power Farm to livepower at livepower.org. It's a pretty easy one to remember. Again, that celebration of life is on March 19th, 2022. It is open to everyone. It will be in Covalo. If you have questions about it or want to RSVP maybe, um, again, you can email any questions or interest in attending or interest in helping get that building finished to livepower at livepower.org, as well as any photos you might have of your time on the farm or your time with Stephen um, and Gloria. Or, and, or if you have any, any memories that you want to, we're putting together a booklet of um, messages and um, photos and everything that we've received. It's already quite a few pages long we've heard from people all over the world well yeah i mean the like i said it's 
the legacy that you and Stephen have built is so strong and powerful and really international. Um, and I'm just so grateful to live in a community with you in it. And I'm really honored that we got to spend this hour together. Thank and I'm extremely grateful, Elizabeth, and and to hear from everyone. It's, it's very special for my sons and I. Well, thank you for joining us today. And um, we look forward to more great things from you and Live Power Farm and getting that community building finished and getting a chance to celebrate together in person this March. Yes, yes, please come. Thank you so much, Gloria. Well, that was Gloria Decatur of Live Power Community Farm in remembrance of her husband, Stephen Decatur, who passed last month. Um, Really a giant of the Mendocino County and international farming scene. This has been a wonderful farm and garden show. I will be back with you in two weeks. I hope you are all enjoying this uh, December day, and we're going to talk to you again real soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.